Hello, friends. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. This is Rick Thomas. You're listening to Your Daily Drive. The conversations continue to happen. The questions are continuing to roll in about this idea of abuse. I have been writing a lot about it over the past two weeks. And, well, you can look at it kind of like a multifaceted diamond. Uh, Depending on where you look, there is a different facet, and therefore it's important to talk about it in the different iterations in in which we need to to cover cover it as thoroughly as we can. I do think that it would take volumes and books to be able to talk about the idea of abuse uh, in a comprehensive and competent way. And so because the conversation is continuing, we're having these ongoing dialogues within our Christian or biblical counseling community, and it has been provoking me in a very positive way to give more and more thought to it, being stimulated to write. And so here is a fourth article that I want to share with you, and it's on the idea of victim and victimhood. I will get to it in just a moment. The previous three articles that I have written in this order, the first one was the abuse of abuse is complicating legitimate abuse. The second article is, abuse is not the best way to talk about the problem with abuse. And then the third one, when the abuse you see clouds biblical interpretations. Today's article is titled, How to Know if Your Victimhood Has Become Your Identity. I want to deal with this. This Again, this is a facet of the abuse diamond. I want to deal with this aspect of victimhood and being a victim as opposed to a victor. It is very easy for a person who has been abused, they've gone through a horrific situation, and they begin to take on that identity, and it becomes a problem. Well, we need to talk about this. These are hard conversations to have, and I do understand that. I do also appreciate the graciousness in which people have been uh, feedbacking to me and or feeding back to me, rather. And uh, again, I appreciate your humility, your willingness to wrestle through these things and the conversations that I've had with so many people. If you want to read this article, you're welcome to do that. These resources are all free to you, provided by those who graciously and kindly and are able to support our ministry. I'm well aware that there are many of you who want to, but you just can't, and I appreciate you and your affection for this ministry, and I would just appeal to you to continue to pray for it, that God would continue to use us to reach people with the practical message of Jesus Christ. But our resources are free, and there are a a small army. There's a group of people who do underwrite it, and I do thank God for them. And so if you want to read this article, the title, How to Know If Your Victimhood Has Become Your Identity, Being a victim of anything is one of the most challenging circumstances for a hurting soul to negotiate. The journey out of the effects of victimization is quite long, and there are contours that will challenge the victim to the broadest expanse of their soul. I'm talking about 
in-depth and broad challenging as you work through. Abuse is just not a, a singular thing. It's not just one strand that you have to work through, but there are many contours and there are many things that you have to wrestle with. It's one of the reasons that I'm writing multiple articles about it because, again, it is a multifaceted thing. The ultimate goal is to become a victor in Christ. That is the goal. That is the peak that is on top of Mount Everest. What you don't want to be is to be a perpetual victim of the abuse, even after the abuse is long over. It's not easy. But the good news is that there is a path forward. As I get into this article, I want to do three things. I want to talk about our victimization. We are we are all victimized in one way or another. And then I want to look at three specific iterations of victimization. I'll get into that in just a moment. And then I will wrap up with, I hope, some practical advice that will help you as you think through, uh, specifically if you have been abused, that you can think through your own victimization and the identity that you are resting in today. But first of all, It would be accurate to say that everyone is a victim. We all have experienced hurt from others. Being born is the first way that we become victims. I mean, an honest reading of God's Word says that we were born into sin. You didn't ask for it. It's what you got when you were born. It came with your package. You you came into the world fallen, not not perfect. Uh, broken, not in a a, a perfected state. And this happened because of Adam and Eve's choices in Genesis 3-6. Now, with that bad news, I don't want you to despair, because like all iterations of victimhood, we do have options. I mean, we can reject God's plan to move from victims to victors, or we can humble ourselves at the cross and accept a new, amazing, fantastic identity in Christ. And so even though there is this universal victimization through total depravity, just being born we do have options. And if you're not a Christian, I would just make that appeal to you right now. There is a way of escape. There is a way out of being just a, a broken, hurting, despairing person. I remember when I was 17 years old when I cried out to a God I did not know and said, I just don't want to be this way any longer. And some of you are like that too. And perhaps somebody's listening to this podcast who doesn't know Christ, but you don't want to be the way you are any longer either. Well, I want you to know you do have options here. You can reject God's plan to move from victim to victor, or you could humble yourself and accept a new identity in Christ. And if you don't know how to do that, I would just ask you to reach out to us, and we would love to to advise you as best we can. But then layered on top of our universal Adamic problem are two other types of victimization. The first one is, is when we submit to the desires of our Adamic flesh, meaning we volitionally, we make a choice that basically we're victimizing ourselves. Now, James talked about this in what I call the LSD verse, 
or maybe the LSD verses. It's in James 1, 14 and 15. He says, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. When, when desire is uh, conceived, it gives birth to sin. Sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. In the King James Bible, it doesn't use the word desire. It uses the word lust, meaning when lust is conceived, sin happens. When sin is complete, death comes. And there's the LSD verses, lust, sin, death. When we choose to victimize ourselves. James says, when our lust draws us to sin, it will lead us to death, and in this instance, we victimize ourselves. Thus, we are victims of Adam, fallen to prey, broken. It comes with the human package, and we are the victims of our choices. But then there is the person who is the victim of another person's sin. And all of us have our stories of what someone did to us. These stories reveal a spectrum from minor to major. The way our culture talks about it is microaggressions. I suppose that would be the minor. But then there are major things that happen to us that are way beyond microaggressions. But there's a spectrum of people who who hurt us, and those hurts bring shape to how we live our lives. And so whether your victimness victimness is from Adamic fallenness, personal choices, or what others did to you, there is a path for you to experience a new identity, a victorious one. You don't have to live in a perpetual state of victimhood. Now, addressing victims is a complicated matter. And even more so, it is a sensitive one. And there is no straightforward way to talk about the effects of sin, whether it was our choices or, or something that someone did to us. And so my treatment of this topic here, it will not convey the full scope of the problem or all the solutions you need I will only speak in this instance, in this podcast, to the identity problem, where the person embraces a victim or victor mentality. There's one or two options here. And so there are two parts of what I am addressing. There are two kinds of people that I am addressing. One, each of us, you and me, we have to self-assess to see if we are thinking and acting like victims or are we thinking and acting like victors in Christ. And so the first group of people are those who are hurting, who have been abused, or they are victims of something. And then uh, there is a second group. Those of us who help victims, we have to address whether our practices, how we help people in my world, our biblical counseling, does it further enslave victims into their victimhood, or does it help them move to a more-than-conqueror mindset because of the all-sufficient strength of Christ that works in them? And though there are many aspects to the effects of sin, there is a dangerous problem when those in a position to help to help these victims, that we do not assist redemptively, but we cooperate in further enslaving the person into deeper victim ideation. And you'll know if this is happening by how the victim talks about what happened to them or those who did it to them. One of the ways to tell, in fact, it is a key 
tell, to know if a person is living in a victimhood mindset or or a victor mindset, and it's by, it's by how they talk about what, ha- what happened to them or uh, b- by how they talk about the person who did it to them. All right, so now in the second part of this three-part section of this podcast uh, that I'm providing for you, I want to give you three different types of victims, the alcoholic victim, the racist victim, and then the abused victim. Alcoholics Anonymous is an organization that indoctrinates their addicts into an alcohol identity. Some people have said it this way, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. In this instance, Victimology gloms onto the sin of alcohol because they're never free from the alcohol identity. It's always there, the alcohol. Victimology gloms on it. So the addict is not leaving one sin behind, alcohol, but adds another one, a victim identity to the pre-existing one of alcohol. Rather than learning how to live in the freedom and power of a new identity in Christ, the alcoholic becomes a a mixture of alcohol, victimization, and saint, assuming that the person is a Christian. Now, I am not suggesting that the temptation to alcohol magically dissipates when you become a Christian. I, I am not suggesting that any specific allurement that you have will magically go away when you become a Christian. For many, it does not. The allure to sin and the accompanying motivations to desire what's forbidden, it lingers in all of us, even after we become Christians. I've talked about this in the past where this was like my first disappointment as a a believer that I, I still lusted as a believer. I thought all of this stuff was going to go away. But even though it doesn't, Christians should make a decisive and intentional break not to carry a victim's mantle any longer. God's adopted children may continue to sense the alluring influences from their past, but they are not that person any longer. Some former alcoholics do not realize that the temptation to drink is not a sign that they are that old person. Perhaps ignorantly, they don't understand how the call of receiving Christ's identity and alien righteousness is an expectation to mature into the fullness of of all that that means. Those counseling the repenting addict must teach that person how to replant himself into the new identity that serves his form that severs his former identity and so we have the alcoholic victim and and I'm using alcoholic anonymous as a, as a person who doesn't realize that they have a new identity and so they talk about themselves as once an alcoholic always an alcoholic therefore they are embracing this idea of victimhood And then we have the racist victim. The alcoholic addict is the person who chooses to submit to his sinful desires. He victimizes himself. But then there are entire demographics who are the victims of others. 
The classic victimized group in America is the black person. No rational person would deny the historical racism that has been part of our American past, and no rational person would dismiss that America has done more to eliminate discrimination than any other country in the history of the world. I mean, this accomplishment in America is even more phenomenal when you consider that the we're that a predominant we're predominantly a white country. And so what you have here is the abusers, the historical abusers, which make up the majority that they are on the front lines working to eliminate this blight that has been on our country for too long. It's an incredible thing to think that the abuser is working to make things right for the victims. And the progress is measurable by so many indicators. But here's the problem. There is another group of people who are not happy with the progress, and they are working hard to ingrain the victim mindset into the black community. They incentivize blacks to accept a victim's role rather than help them step into a new identity that teaches about role models and responsibilities and rewards for achievement based on merit. In the case of the black community, some liberal elites are re-victimizing the black community, which further enslaves them into a victim mindset as as their anger and their rioting that we are seeing here in 2020 affirms. And so I'm talking about this idea of victimhood versus victor. I've given you the illustration of Alcoholics Anonymous, where the person doesn't truly step into their new identity in Christ and becomes a victor, but they still embrace their former manner of living. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Therefore, they have a victimhood, victim mindset. And then I talked about the black community, how some people are... They continue to teach this idea, and they're re-victimizing them and telling them that you are a victim over and over again when so many indicators prove that they really are not, and they can really move forward if they choose to as we come alongside them and help them and help each other as we move forward in, in social and other economic advancements. Uh, but they have many black people, unfortunately, are taking on this victimhood mindset. And then there is a third group. So we have the re-victimization of the black community, but that has a parallel with the victimization of an individual, an individual who has been victimized, not an entire demographic like the classic black person in America. The most common iteration of this is with what we call abuse, like domestic violence or sexual assault. And like our black friends, these individuals have experienced legitimate hurt from the hands of evil people. Abusers thrust these folks into some dark places. And because abuse can can put you in those dark places, the victim can begin to form a, a victimhood identity. Perhaps it was a traumatic event that profoundly shaped their thinking. Other times, it's an ongoing abuse pattern where the victim becomes what the abuse trains them to be, which some people call gaslighting. Uh, 
But either way, whether it's an event or an ongoing pattern, the sufferer takes on the identity, the role, and the worldview of a victim. Even after the abuse is over, they may talk about themselves as though they continue to be the victim of abuse. These hurting souls sound like the addict in Alcoholics Anonymous. Hi, my name is Rick. I am the victim of abuse. Their victimization is true, but the problem is that they place the accent mark on what happened to them rather than who they are in Christ. They, they never seem to arrive at Paul's place, Paul the Apostle, who had a significant shaping influence in, in his life. In fact, one of those shaping influences was in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. And as you listen to this passage that I know that you're familiar with, I want you to think about what kind of worldview, mindset, mentality did he have? A person who had gone through significant abuse in his life on all kinds of levels, some of which we can't even imagine. But I want you to hear how he talks about his victimization. He says in 2 Corinthians 12, starting at verse 7, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now notice what Paul said here. Listen to how he talks about, and I'm putting this within a, what, an abuse construct, uh, the suffering that he went through. Paul says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. There's a lot of abuse right there. Weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. And then he finishes with this powerful sentence, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Now there is an individual who is not taking on an abuse victimhood mindset. The most significant issue with the alcoholic, the black protester, or an abuse victim is their struggle with separating prioritizing, and adequately interpreting their two identities, victim or victor. And I want you to think about these three words, separating, prioritizing, and interpreting. And so the first step as you, because what they're doing is they're conflating the past and the present. They're bringing the past and present into this weird hybrid. The alcoholic from Alcoholic Anonymous conflates the past and present. Alcoholic, victory in Christ, but they still take on this victimhood mindset. The black protester, even though they have the ability to be free and to move forward in social and economic advancement, they're being taught by so many, unfortunately, within the political ranks, that they are a still victims, and they're conflating past slavery, which is very true, with new freedoms that they have today, and they're still living in a victim mindset. And then you have the abuse victim, the one, uh, the one who, who still takes on the victimhood mindset. 
the three words, the conflating, separating, prioritizing, and interpreting. The first step is to separate their identities into a then and now framework. That was your past. Nobody is arguing that that was your past. We understand that is your past. We're not denying it. It is very real. It is legit. But this is your present. And so first is separating the then and now framework. Secondly, the victim has to be intentional about making their identity in Christ the priority. Where are you going to put the accent mark on what happened to you or who you are in Christ? Separating prioritizing, and then finally interpreting. They need to give their past and present a biblical interpretation. Now, Joseph gave us some excellent advice on how to do all three of these things, separate, prioritize, and interpret. In a very short sentence, Genesis 50, 20, you know it. He said this, talking to his brothers, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Did you hear what he did? In one short sentence, Joseph separated his past from the present. He prioritized God's sovereign work in his life, and he gave it a biblical interpretation. Many victims of sin have a hard time separating then and now, prioritizing victor over victim, and interpreting the grander picture of God's work in their lives through the means of suffering. And so I want to work through these three words one final time. Separating. You can separate the then and now without pretending the past did not happen. Joseph was clear about what they did to him. Prioritizing. If you don't place the accent mark on God's sovereignty, you will assume a victim's identity with all of his liabilities. Interpretation. There are two lenses through which you can see your suffering. Joseph did not dismiss the pain, but chose to see it from God's vantage point. Nothing will be more difficult in your life than working through the effects of sin. Whether it was your choice, like the alcoholic addict, or something that someone did to you, like racism or abuse, you have several decisions that you must make as you move from victim to victor. One of those will be whether you're going to be a a blind patriot that salutes the flag of a victim mentality, or if you're going to be a biblical thinker. Like Joseph, you don't have to pretend what happened did not happen, but you will have to choose what's going to control you. You live inside a parallel reality. On one side is your suffering, and on the other side is the Lord's sovereignty. Which lens will you choose to interpret what happened to you? Now, you can assess yourself right now. I want to ask you a few questions. I want you to listen to these questions, reflect upon them. You can stop the podcast if you wish. You can write them down. You can also copy and paste these from the article that I'm sharing with you. I'm looking at it right now. And you can also print off the article and and write, uh, write on your paper that you print off. But I want to ask you a few questions, and it will reveal whether you have a victim or victor mentality. Question number one, are you characterized as a grateful person when you look on what happened to you? 
And though you may still exhibit sadness over what happened, you view it as God's kindness because you see the Lord's sovereign fruit in your life. I was sharing some of my past with a group in Idaho a couple of weeks ago, and I cried as I was sharing some of my past. And, and some of those things were 30, 30 plus years ago. And so you still may exhibit sadness but you view it as God's kindness because you, you see the sovereign fruit uh, in your life. And so the question is, are you characterized as a grateful person? Number two, when you think about those who sinned against you, are your thoughts more like Jesus on the cross? Father, forgive them? Is that your attitude? Question number three, would you characterize your heart as one of pity when you think of those who hurt you. Indeed, you can say, if not for the grace of God, I could do that too. And so you do, do you have a heart characterized by, by pity? And then uh, question number four here. When others hear you talk about what happened to you or the one who did it to you, do they sense that you are a victim or a victor? Just listen to how a person talks about what happened to them, and how they talk about it will give you an indication as to the mindset that they have adopted. And then finally, are your words, even about your suffering, seasoned with grace and gratitude? I have another section here in this article. I also have a call to action uh, at the bottom of it, but I'm going to wrap up now. The article is titled, How to Know If Your Victimhood Has Become Your Identity. I'm looking at this big diamond called abuse. I'm just looking at one specific facet of it. Are we adopting victimhood or are we victors because of our identity in Christ? What is your identity? I'm also aware for some of you, you just started your abuse journey, and I just want to appeal to you to read this article and to soak on it, and you're not there yet. You're taking some early steps, but if we can help you, please let us know. We would love to chat.